0: This episode of Long Night with Vishkana Khanna was recorded in front of a live studio audience on Saturday, January 16th, 2016.
2: Coming to you live from the Great Hall in Toronto, Canada, it's Long Night with Vishkana. Khanna. On the show tonight, broadcaster and musician Tom Power. We have a lecture from the deadpan PowerPoint people. From tons. We have two Murphs and a mic. Michelle McIntyre is here. She's going to perform. Our house band is The Bicycles. My name is James Keast. And currently on the stage, a man who is neither born nor is he starting the show, standing up, it's Vishal.
3: and gentlemen, welcome to Long Night, and uh, it's great to be here and see you. Uh, before I go too much further, is there anybody here tonight from the beautiful city of Toronto? <laughs> it's nice to see you all here. We have a great show for you. Uh, I actually, uh, did you guys have a good Christmas break? Because we haven't seen you since, when was the last time we were here, James? Six weeks, Six weeks ago, yeah. Did everyone have a good holiday? Was it good? I had a good one. Uh, I actually did some traveling, and uh, one of the highlights of my trip, actually, was uh, watching my four-year-old son have an intense argument with an airport security person after they confiscated his juice box. (laughs) Like, he was already baffled that he had to give them his little belt and his shoes. The juice box thing put him over the edge. And my boy, he's very literal. Like, if you have to explain anything to him, he doesn't he doesn't abide by any uh, you know, subtlety. So by the end of it, it was just a very stern airport security woman explaining to a bare-assed, barefoot kid that his peach mango juice could blow up a plane. So tough, tough amount of information for my boy. As we boarded the plane, I made eye contact with the flight attendant. And uh, I kind of looked down the plane, and I realized it was a very packed flight. And I kind of saw the flight attendant, and I nodded hello. And I said, wow, wow, it's full plane. And he looked at me kind of weird. and He said, oh, first time flying? And I said, no, no, I just mean it's a lot of people. It's a full plane. And he said, oh, I thought you said cool plane. (laughs) When you get on an airplane with a four-year-old boy and a one-year-old girl, your fellow passengers are not happy to see you. Now, before I had kids, I wasn't one of these people that was mad when kids were crying on a plane or screaming on a plane. So now I have like little sympathy for those people. In fact, when I get on a plane with my family, I relish seeing their faces. Because the reaction is always some semblance of like, they'll just be doing what they're doing, and then they they look up and they're horrified, and they're just like, oh! You know, they're really angry, and then they're kind of shuffling for their headphones, and then they're texting their friends, oh man, there's a baby on the plane, I hope it crashes into a school bus at rush hour. They're very mean, these people. On the same flight, my son was rooting around in the uh, pouch, the, the, the suit, the, you know, the pouch in front, and he pulled out the, uh, the airplane safety laminate, which is full of really helpful illustrations of what to do in case there's a problem with the plane. And my son was really taken with one particular diagram, and he leaned over and he said, Papa, what are these yellow things beside the doors of the airplane. And I said, oh, those are, those are inflatable slides that some people when they exit the plane they have to go down the slides. And he just got really quietly excited. And he said, Papa, will this plane have slides? And I said, oh, no, not necessarily. They're really only implemented in the event of an emergency. And then a shadow kind of fell across my son's face, he got very sad, which is normal. And stage one of his bad news processing system. Stage two is to get unreasonably angry at the person he's currently communicating with. So mid-flight my small brown son screamed, but I want this plane to have an emergency. My son, even I was suspicious of him at this point. But uh, it worked out well, we, uh, when the drink car came around, we got him a peach mango juice and he felt empowered, like he was in control of the situation. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a wonderful show for you tonight, Tom Power is here. We have a lecture by Deadpan PowerPoint, it's gonna change your lives. A conversation with musical supergroup Tons, Tons are gonna to be here and a performance by Michelle Macadore. We'll be right back after these messages. Thanks for being here on Long Night.
0: The next edition of Long Winter takes place at the Great Hall in Toronto on Friday, February 19th, featuring music by The Wooden Sky, For Esme, Pavilion, Datu, Pet Sun, Tokyo Airshow, Ice Cream, North Atlantic Drift, Poster Boy, Craig Dunsmere and Dun Dun Band, Doc Pickles and the Jim Story Juniors, Kyle Brenders, Dan Fortin, Taylor Hoodlum Stevenson, Walrus, the Nick Frazier Sextet, and more. Plus art, performance, dance, and readings by Lena Succi, Dan Thornhill, and Marcel Ramagnano, Alexandra Gutnik, Nida Kwasowski, Slow Pitch Sound with Pursuit Grooves and Libido, Shannon Scanlon, Videomancy, Rave Tapes, Brad Casey, Stephen Thomas, Rachel Bell, Alexandra Naughton, Guillaume Morissette, Ashley Oppheim, Joni Murphy, Beach Sloth, Benjamin Camino, Nadia Fedotova, and Vanessa Barnier. Don't miss The Long Night with Vishkana Talk Show in the Black Box at 9 p.m. Featuring guest appearances by This Exists, Sam Sutherland, comedian Carol Zaccoli, and musician Stacy. Plus, The Long Winter Arcade featuring Chop Squares and Fempocalypse. This edition of Long Winter is an all-ages event that takes place on Friday, February 19th at 7 p.m. The Great Hall is not an accessible venue yet, and is located at 1087 Queen Street West. For more information, please visit torontolongwinter.com.
3: I neglected to do a couple of things. How about a round of applause for the bicycles? There's more of them on stage than you think. It's very exciting. And also, James Keese, my sidekick, James Keese. James, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty well. I'm a little out
2: of voice for the intros. I'd been sick for a couple weeks, so I I tried to go for enthusiasm over... uh, Projection? Consistency of tone. Right.
3: I thought you did a fine job. How about a hand for James's intro? <laughs> now, what did you... Normally, at this point, you, you give me a, a brief uh, assessment of my monologue, which I wrote very quickly this afternoon. After you wrote
2: while I was watching Star Wars. I didn't write anything while I was oh. watching Star Wars. And what did you think? I, well, I'd seen it before, so... No, of the monologue. Uh, oh. <laughs> I thought it was really good. Okay. Uh, it was an exciting movie. I, I thought J.J. Abrams <laughs> did a really good job. And, uh, like Even the second time, I thought it really held up.
3: Don't you think that Star Wars, there's a lot of chatter about how it might be a reboot, really, of the first? Has anyone seen the new Star Wars movie? Yes! I don't think we need to talk about this. You don't want to talk about Star Wars? <laughs> well, you saw it twice. Isn't this the second time you've seen it? Yeah. So you like it.
2: Uh, yeah, I was a little overwhelmed the first time, so I had to go back and see if I still liked it.
3: I've seen it too, uh, twice as well. The first time, it was called The New Hope. <laughs> Thanks, buddy.
2: Did you t- did you take Levon? You- is Levon to too young? War? No, no, he'd be too, he's too young. young. Yeah, he's okay. too young.
3: He's really into Star Wars, but he doesn't understand it. I see. He was very confused that, uh, oh, I took my, my, we went to Edmonton for the Christmas holidays and we were attending my brother-in-law's wedding, which is a Catholic ceremony. And every time the, the, the priest said, our Lord and Savior, my son leaned over and he, he said, Papa, does he mean Lord Vader? <laughs> this is true. This happened in a church on Tatooine. Our first guest tonight is a member of the St. John's Newfoundland band, the Dardanelles, and he's also the beloved host of CBC Radio 2 Morning, and he's a frequent guest host on the CBC Radio 1 show, Lowercase Q. Please say hello to Tom Power, Tom Power. (laughs) How's it going? I'm very well. Tom Power, everybody. Tom Powers in the house. Oh, it's great to be here. I think your uh, I think your laundry's nearly dry. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Can you actually Can you guys see what's going on on the screens above you? This is going to be great for the people listening to the you, podcast right do now. Do you
2: know if they are people?
3: Like, I, I don't are they
2: know.
4: live people? I don't. I, I didn't know what it was. I thought there it was.
3: seemed to be sleeping. They are or lying down. No, because some of them are their eyes. If I wave, will they wave back? I don't think they can see us, James. That'd be weird. They're,
2: they are images projected onto what appear to be pillowcases what of I was people saying. lying in bed, like maybe on Skype, and I'm wondering if they're Skyping <laughs> in and watching the show. Maybe it's like Omegle.
4: Maybe it's Chat Roulette, and we just know. dialed into them, and we, they don't even know if we can see them or not. Yeah, they I don't don't seem know to
3: wave back. I feel like we're borderline close to insulting this art installation, gentlemen. Well I mean know. it's cool. Let's, uh, I, let's I just know. let's just push on through. Like what? You're waking her up. You're waking her up. Oh, yeah, she's, she's moving around. She's Tom, looking out. She knows I'm here. Tom, level with us. Is this just an elaborate CBC Radio 2 morning ad?
4: Yeah, that's exactly it. That's what most people do when I speak. They sleep, <laughs> they sleep soundly. Yeah, she's rolling over and she's like, oh,
3: Counting Crows, this is great. Is that <laughs> you what's know, happening?
4: That's the first time Counting Crows, this is great, has been said in about <laughs> 15 years. How are you doing, Beach?
3: I'm well, I'm well. Now, you are from Newfoundland, so yeah. I
4: want to say right off the, t- the top,
3: welcome to Ontario.
4: Oh yeah, right now that's nice. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks nice thanks to, for having we, me. We know, like to feel uh, make
3: Newfoundland people feel at home.
4: Yeah, I've been here. You know, it'll be it'll be four years in in February if you can believe that. Four years. Yeah, wow. four years. It's been it's been a long time, and it, you know, it, like I keep on thinking I'm new, and I still have a 709 number. I mean, you called me the other day about this. Yeah, it's long st- distance for me to do anything to. to Get yeah, yeah on know, it, it like... keeps people from getting in touch too much, which works out <laughs> well for me. Yeah. Now, where are you from exactly originally? I'm from St. John's. I'm from St. John. from the, the capital
3: city. And what was it like growing up in St. John's?
4: You know, it was okay. You know, I mean, I I, I kind of grew up in the suburbs. So you know, like in, instead of you know having having you know boats in the harbor, we had you know basketball nets and minivans and stuff like that. You know, so it was it was it was a, you know it was kinda, I kind of grew up in kind of the Ajax of St. John's. You know, I grew up I grew up in Count Heights, and then you know when I was about fourteen or fifteen, I I, I started you know hanging out with the cool kids and getting to go downtown and getting to go to Havajava, java which was like this kind of hub of, of what i thought like the hub of art was at the time but i'm sure everyone just thought i was this annoying kid who was painting his nails black you know but i got to do some amazing i got to do some cool things i know chris murphy's on the show this evening which is yeah, cool because yeah. uh, me and my friend chewy uh we we were on going it, coastal you, your friend's name is chewy yeah jonathan schubert Oh, not Chewbacca! But, You're yeah, not no, 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 no. Okay. He wasn't. He was riding the rails for a little while. Okay. Like he was a, it was a rail rider. Like later years. Okay, and we were. We got to uh, Going Coastal was there. And they were doing the Junos. I don't know if Chris remembers this. And we all we were all kind of standing there, and we were all kind of excited to see Sloan. And there was a lot of people there who were excited to see Snow. Remember Snow? Yeah, of course. And he had, had his, his Snow here. I thought he was working the bar. I thought I saw him over there. Uh, it's a burn we're, on Snow. Snow. I know.
3: So uh, someone's probably going to inform
4: him of your burn. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody? Snow jokes? Snow. This is the this is the, I think she went back to sleep because of the snow jokes. <laughs> so um well, you know, we were everyone was there to see uh, snow, and we were there to see Sloan, and and they they had a camera crew with them, and yeah. they came over and grabbed us, and they and they brought us over, and we got to kind of walk with them, and they they said you guys kind of look like us, so come hang out with us, and and we got to hang out with them at the mall, at the Avalon Mall. Well, how old were you? I was probably I was twenty one. No, I was like I was fourteen. Fourteen. Was 14 this is 13. pre like your work as a public figure. Yeah, 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 and I got to and I got to be on TV, and I got to do some some cool stuff with them. So that was a, so living in St. John's while. While being kind of boring sometimes, still had like, a lot of people who wanted to come to it and amazing people coming out of it who wanted to meet some of the people who were making amazing things in Newfoundland. It was a really great place to grow well, up.
3: I've, as you know, I think by now, I've been traveling to Newfoundland every year for the Lanyavanya Music Festival. In fact, we do this talk show in St. John's every year pretty much. Yeah. And that's my brother. I'm, my brother does that. Yes, sir, Brian Power. That's yeah. right. He's a good man. Yeah. Now he, that's him right there. Is he, is that's yeah, him on the he screen. Is, yeah. he, he's very, never looked cr- better. Very creepy. I thought I recognized him actually. No, I was gonna say that when I go to St. John's and for this festival, bands are coming from all out of town, all over the world, really, actually, yep. and the level of appreciation from yep. the audience is like nothing I've seen, and I always attribute it to some form of isolation, like they're just so happy people come to St. John's. Is that accurate or just people generally friendly and yeah, fun? But
4: you know, it goes both ways. In, in some ways, our isolation, you know, kind of cultivated a really great music scene. And there was bands like, you know, Hardship Post and, and, and Fur-Packed Action, you know, incredible bands, you know, um, uh, 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 Thomas Trio and the Red Albino. And then you move towards, the, uh, there's a Thomas Trio and the Red Albino fan. You, you remember Thomas Trio? No. A great band, man. Great band. And there was, uh, uh, I mean, okay, there's Hey Rosetta and Ron Hines, and we, were all, we had to kind of create our own star system. Yeah. And there were, like, you know, just kind of St. John's celebrities. you ever heard of being Hala famous? That's when you're famous only in Halifax. We had, we had that for St. John's. Really? So, um, but in other ways, you know, uh, working in the industry I do now, which is <laughs> namby-pamby at best, I see a lot of tours that go from Vancouver, like we're going across Canada, yeah, Vancouver to Toronto. Or we're going, we're going across Canada, yeah. Vancouver to Halifax. So I think when people would make the extra effort, which is a, a large expense to go across the ferry, to get on, uh, get on the boat, to take the, the, the flight, you know, it meant a lot to us. We were really appreciative of, of anyone yeah. who would come over Yeah, it, over. it, it yeah. feels that way. Every time, every band I know that goes there, like,
3: people were so nice and friendly and glad we were there, yeah. and they, they want to go back. Now, you had an interesting week because you actually, you're a guest host on Q, yep. and you hosted the episode
4: right after David Bowie died, right? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was Monday, and uh, yeah, I got the call around the night before. My friend Mitch was going to be on the show, and he said, hey man, like the last time we were supposed to speak on, um, on the air together, it was the night before the Paris attacks had happened, oh. and, and uh, we weren't able to have our conversation, and we, we had to dedicate all of our time to Paris, uh, of course, right? So this time around, uh, on, sorry, but I'm popping a lot there. On, on, on the Sunday night... You're uh, suddenly uh, producing your own segment? I am, I am. If you're a radio guy? <laughs> I am, yeah. I am. I think you're boring the audience, Tom. I think you should pick <laughs> it up a little bit. Uh, the night before, he called me I, and he I said... I should say, yep. I did get a
3: text just now from Chris Murphy. We are watching Make With The Jokes.
4: Oh, no! Oh, Thanks, wow. Chris. Yeah, that's, uh, that's hurting me, Chris. Chris is kind of my surrogate That's hurting me. That's hurting me then. It's hurt, hurt more than it's hurting anyone else. I, uh... I tell you, so I mean, this is not. A, I mean, we can make jokes about David Bowie's passing. It's hard if you to want. make uh, jokes. You're right. No, what did Quite you do? Pretty easy. So, what did you guys do as a tribute, or what did you do to cover? Well, I got the call, and he said, "Man, unless some national, tra- some international tragedy happens, I'll be on the air with you tomorrow." So I got the. I woke up the next morning, got a text that said David Bowie died, huh. and I said, yeah, "Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, that's the." That's <laughs> yeah that's right. It. And I went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> for about for about 20 minutes and then I, I kind of just kind of woke up and said oh my god this may have actually happened I checked Twitter and, and sure enough sure enough that it did so you're the guest host of a
3: show and this heavy thing happened Yes. Yeah.
4: what was going through your mind well man I you know the guy uh, uh, the asshole who used to host the show remember him um, the guy, uh, that that horrible guy, he was a really big David Bowie fan, right? Uh-huh. So I was at, not aware of this. Yeah, so at the moment, well, yeah, yeah, you didn't listen to the show for more than twenty-five seconds, <laughs> right? or he wouldn't bring it up. <laughs> so there you know, going through my mind was this kind of, um, oh well, uh, I, I feel the, you know, I feel like I have to do the show right because of some kind of stupid reason for that. And then you start thinking about it and you go, well no, he has nothing to do with it anymore. He's out of, he's out of the picture and 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 this is all about what we can do to, to kind of create a legacy yeah. for a guy that we we all share a, a loss when he died, you know? Yeah. So the idea that that the loss was owned only by one person was crazy. So we all went in there kind of dedicated to get his legacy across on the radio and I think I think we did a pretty good job.
3: So you're the host of uh, I've lost track of it. CBC Radio 2 Morning and then you also do Deep Roots, which I neglected to mention, right? Yeah, I do a
4: little I do a little folk music that's show. It's a folk music show. Both both listeners really love it. They really do. They go crazy for it. And,
3: cool. and now you're guest hosting Q. Do this is great. Do you have my CV there? Is that what's going on? Yeah, right? I'm just, uh, this is a job application at this point. <laughs> do lunch. you do you like hosting Q more than anything else you do?
4: No, 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 no. I like. Uh, it's fun to do, but I like doing the, the show I do in the morning a lot. A that's, lot of fun. that's your favorite well, thing? Well, man, you know, the thing you do that, that, that belongs to you seems to be the most fun. What do you, you know? like? Q is such a radical shift
3: because you're a guy playing songs on your other shows. Yeah. What do you like most about hosting Q? I'm
4: just curious. Uh... Um, well, man, like I don't, I don't get to talk to too many folks, you know, yeah, yeah. for good reason, judging by this interview. Um, so I don't get to have okay, Chris Murphy will fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get to have too many conversations. Yeah. So I mean, the first day I got to do it, um, they called and they said, you know, would you be able to come in and do the show? And uh, I had to, to interview Chris Rock. And with about Chris Rock, a, Chris Rock, yeah, the comedian, yeah. the iconic comedian. Mark. Yeah, yeah, but that one, yeah, no, yeah,
3: not the, the other Chris not, Rock, not the other
4: Chris Rock from the Flintstones. He's
3: working at Pizza. Yeah. I don't know what Chris Rock. That I was would be thinking. a good, that would be a good Flintstones I just comedian. To make sure name. I heard you right. It's yeah. Chris Rock. I'm right? with you, man. That was a great <laughs> joke. I don't worry, girl. That was
4: a good joke. Thanks, Chris. First joke of the show. I like it. Um, yeah, I had to interview him, and then on that Friday, I did the the, the Sloan guys came on, and I, I did, and I was like, terrified and and frightened. And, uh, uh, but you know, once you stop being scared um, everything tends to get better and I started just trying to have real conversations with people and everything right. just seemed to open up a little bit. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. Well, you're, you're doing a really good job. Well, at thanks, it. man. We're, this, we're, this is a lot of fun. This is a cool thing you're doing here. I'm trying to do my thing here, yeah. Yeah, it's great. The network is good to us. We're
4: doing all right. <laughs> I think when we... My improve...
3: favorite part is the commercials. Yeah. <laughs> you should advertise for something during the commercials. Yeah, if we can get a sponsor for anything, that would be great.
4: All right. I'll see what we can You're do. Fine.
3: I'd like to fix the walls up a little bit in <laughs> the studio. What's actually next for you, Tom? Um, next, I'm going to get on the beer tonight. That's it. You yeah, <laughs> that's it. You, that's it. What, your band. You often travel with your band and stuff. You doing anything?
4: Yeah, we're doing a bunch of these American folk festivals. You know, where everyone thinks we're Irish. Right. So we show up and we kind of we kind of talk like this and we and we drink a lot and we again talk like this uh, and look like this and. And people kind of assume we're from Dublin, which makes us a little bit more appealing to the Americans.
3: Yeah, you do have a bit of a Larry Mullen Jr. thing going on tonight. You I know, think. you're
4: the third person to say that to me today. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Tom. It's a pleasure to be yeah, here, yeah. Peach. Keep up with Tom Power on Twitter at TomPowerCBC and CBCR2Morning. And uh, we're going to take a commercial break. When we return, we'll be given a life lesson. By deadpan PowerPoint. Can I go out and watch it? Can I go out and watch it? You can pretty much do whatever you want. All right, man, I'm all right. I feel good about it. How about a hand for Tom Power, everybody? Thanks, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas, or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerotti, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H.ca. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Back, welcome back, everybody. Linda, the applause lady, is doing a fine job tonight, wouldn't you say, ladies and gentlemen? How about a round of applause for Linda? Nice job, Linda. Uh, James, fish. Did you know that tonight's episode is being recorded as an episode for the Creative Control podcast?
2: I'm a fan of that podcast. I'm excited to listen back to this show.
3: Have you ever actually listened back to one of these shows? No. They're a nightmare just a disaster.
2: It's a lot of visual jokes and long pauses. Yeah. I would enjoy the I, music of the bicycles on the podcast. Yes, the bicycles sound we great
3: could on the podcast. maybe do a
2: bicycles edit of the podcast. Just like just nothing
3: but bicycle bed tracks that people can put their own podcast the on. Break intros. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want to mention that uh, the podcast is available on iTunes and Audioboom.com and Vishkana.com, so please go to uh, one of those if you want to listen back to, to this or other stuff. Do you have a favorite episode? i recommend the other stuff. The other stuff.
2: Because you were here for this, so. Right. It it wouldn't be as good. It would be like less. Like the same, but without the visual.
3: Our next guests are Ted Sutton and Mike Kiss, who deliver state-of-the-art lectures on a variety of life-improving topics. And we're so thrilled that they could be here tonight to help all of us be better. So please consider clapping your hands together for deadpan powerpoint
5: thank you very much and uh... good evening we are deadpan powerpoint my name is mike and this is my professional associate ted
6: uh... professional associate and spiritual medium
5: Ah, yes of course Uh, ted's connection to the beyond allows me to remain in contact with my numerous departed pets uh... they all still love me and isn't knowing that worth $250 a session? I think so. Now, speaking of pets, we have to admit this isn't the crowd to whom we thought we would be lecturing this evening. To be quite honest, we thought we were booked in a kennel. Um, but we ask that you do bear with us. We have been informed we would not be paid if we did not continue. Uh, nevertheless, uh, we should, as Deadpan PowerPoint presents the seven habits of highly effective dogs.
6: You are all dogs.
5: Well, it... Um. Well, we thought you
6: were going to be. We really did. Um, And as dogs, you're wondering how you can be the best dog that you can be. Well, you didn't know it, but you're already on your way because you're curious. Mm. Which brings us to habit number one. What's that?
5: What was that? You heard a sound or something. Now you could ignore it, but your human is already doing that. In fact, he may not even know that a sound happened. So what should you do?
6: You should start barking, two, three, maybe 15 times. Just keep on barking until the sound has stopped and you're certain it won't return, because you are a good dog.
5: Now, at this point, your human may try to stop you from helping and get you to be quiet, but what he really means is just wait a moment and then you may bark again a little softer than the last time. Now, what should you do, however, if you've seen something? You can't very well be quiet then. There's a thing. It exists, maybe.
6: You'd better go check it out. Mm -hmm. But how? Have a look at the following chart. You should approach 5% of things warily because you don't know what you're getting into. You should approach 10% of things slowly because you may be hunting them. And you should approach 85% of things as quickly as
5: you possibly can because, hey, there's a thing over there. Which brings us to habit number two. Better eat that thing. (laughs) Now, what is that thing? You can see it now that you're close enough under the sofa, covered in dirt or lint or something. It smells strange, and you have no idea what it is. Better eat that thing.
6: Sure, you ate food an hour ago, and you're likely to eat food again very soon. In fact, your human probably has a snack he'll give you if you do something that makes him smile. Whatever the hell that may be. There is no way to tell. No. Still, you can't escape the simple fact that you'd better eat that thing.
5: Now, here are some ways to determine whether or not you should eat that thing. You should eat that thing if... It's right in front of you. If it's way over there, uh, you should eat that thing if your human is holding it. Also, if your human is trying to prevent you from eating it.
6: Now, how much of that thing should you eat? All of it. Very important. If you eat only part of it, then there's still a thing left over that you'll need to eat. Portions come in two sizes. All or nothing.
5: Now, eat until you are full of food. Uh, You should always keep food coming in, because food will always be going out. As a result of habit number three,
6: uh-oh, uh-oh, you're about to create something wonderful. Yes. Something that stinks and steams and tells the world that you are here. No one else can do what you do. Your butt is an artisan, and your in wor- the world is your gallery.
5: Now, <clears throat> it's very important that um, you uh, you remember that um, you are a tremendous creative talent, and uh, there is there's no one else possibly who could achieve what you can achieve. Now. Um, your' human, however, will be jealous, so that is why we have to uh, we have to move you along to the the poop management cycle
6: Of course you you what you have to keep in mind of course, is that you may want to um, you, you have to fight the need to hide your creations mm-hmm. because you may want to come back again later on once you've forgotten about it and eat that thing.
5: Yes, and as mentioned the um, the, the human uh, his jealousy will take over at this point. It is, uh, it's reprehensible, but it is present in all of them. And uh, they will be extremely jealous of your creative prowess, and they would rather hide your creations than allow you your due recognition. This, however, should never stop you. No,
6: what you should do is, is try to put your creations, your masterpieces, if you will, in places where your human cannot find them. In the bushes, in the basement, inside of a shoe. Do this as often as you can so that the fire of your expression will never be extinguished.
5: Now, now that you've gotten your job done, it's important to take some time for yourself. With habit number four, go nuts. You are a dog.
6: Mm. Play like one. Look over there. Run there as fast as you can. Isn't this great? Pretty great. But wait, maybe it was more fun...
4: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom.
6: No, it was definitely more fun in your new spot. Go back there now.
5: Now, playing can just be, um, your human may be holding something, and if it isn't food, it's probably a toy for you, and it would be a great idea to grab it in your mouth and run around with it for a while. No matter what he says, he loves to chase you.
6: Maybe even wreck it completely. Mm. Your human doesn't have a lot of fun. Show him how great his downtime can be by chewing something to pieces. Maybe even eat some of it. Mm. Couldn't hurt. Couldn't hurt at all. Now
5: playing can just be running and jumping, but nothing is as great as this. Uh, This is ball, and uh, very simply ball is magic. It will bounce into things, it will go over there. It's very clever. It will even disappear from your human's hand only to reappear there after you've run after it for 80 or 90 feet.
6: Ball is very important to your human but your human doesn't realize it. He keeps throwing ball away. Ridiculous. No, human need
5: ball. Mm -hmm. Go get ball and bring back. Human will die without ball. It's a good thing the chasing ball is so much fun. Indeed. Now, after you've done that for a while, it's very important to then uh, recharge, and you'll move on to habit number five, sleep. Sleeping is great because you're very, very fast when you're dreaming, and also the rest of the world just sort of shuts off for a while and waits until you're ready to have fun again. However, there is a risk. Mm. When you're
6: sleeping, you're not barking, eating something, or having a poo somewhere. And so your human is likely to forget that you even exist. Mm -hmm. That's why you need to position your sleeping body anywhere it will get in their way. Like, at the top of a flight of stairs, or in the exact same spot where someone will step when they get up in the middle of the night to have a pee.
5: Now, now that your human is certain that you still exist and won't panic, you should find somewhere to go up. Up is great. Uh, Up on a sofa, for example, up on a bed, up on your human while he's on a sofa or bed. Your human sits on a lot of very soft surfaces, and you owe it to yourself to experience them all. Uh, There might even be something of value in these places, so take a moment to dig around like a lunatic.
6: You're just like your human. In the same way that you deserve to eat what he eats, you should sleep where he sleeps. The only thing you need to look out for, however, is this.
5: Now... There's no easy way to explain how a human was able to place a very small, angry, metal thunderstorm into this can. Um, Much the same way ball is, it's magic. So when you see or hear one of these, just don't go up. It's weird. Better not mess with this thing.
6: Now that you're well-rested, you're ready to move on to habit number six. Make more dogs. There comes a time in every dog's life when he or she experiences an overwhelming, desperate feeling. It's a feeling that begins and ends somewhere between your two hind legs. And it's the best thing ever. Wonderful. Because satisfying this urge not only feels awesome, it also helps you make more dogs.
5: Now, satisfying such a complicated urge must be equally complicated, right? Wrong. Bad dog! Whoops. Now, it's actually very simple. The easiest thing to do is to uh, rub your genitals against another dog, Um, but just about anything will do.
6: Mm, Yes this morning's newspaper, your human shin, Elmo. Now, some of you are probably asking, will humping a Muppet really satisfy my urges? Humans ask themselves these very same questions all of the time. Constantly, Mm. yeah. And of course the answer is yes, but only for a while.
5: Now, it's important to note that you're not going to make more dogs by not humping whatever it is you're looking at or standing next to. So whenever your human tries to get you to stop making more dogs, you should show your displeasure by barking all of the time, refusing to stay off of the sofa just by being a huge jerk.
6: What's the worst your human could do? Take away your genitals? Unthinkable. Unthinkable. Mm. He's your best friend. Not even your worst enemy would do such a thing. Which brings us to habit number seven, get
5: him. This is Cat. Look at him. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. He smells strange. His way of life is abhorrent. And his language is nothing but gibberish. Therefore, you hate him.
6: If these aren't reasons enough to want to destroy him, then
5: consider the following. He wants cheeseburger. But you want cheeseburger, too. You can't both has cheeseburger. What if he has cheeseburger
6: first? Chase him now. Don't worry about what you'll actually do if you catch him. Just run.
5: No, wait. He's sharp. He's not like Ball at all. It's all right, though, because you gave him a good chasing. Let him live long enough to tell his stupid cat friends what the score is.
6: And there you have it. Master these seven habits and you'll be well on your way to highly successful
5: dogging. Yes. Um, That's it for us this evening. We have some refreshments available for you. I'm dreadfully disappointed to admit that they're not real bacon. Uh, But the water was changed this morning. Um, And if you would like to be friends later, I'll be over here in the corner. Uh, Thank you very much. We have been Deadpan PowerPoint. Good evening. Deadpan PowerPoint, everyone.
3: Sorry about the misunderstanding, gentlemen. Well done, though. Still a come, a performance by Michelle McAdore and a conversation with tons. We take a break and we'll be right back. How about another hand for Deadpan PowerPoint, everyone? Lampke of the Constantines has just released a fine new solo album. We're creatures of quick need. It's called Days of Heaven. Stunned by Beauty. It's out now via You've Changed Records. To the quick need beat. Visit your local record store to pick up a copy or check out You'veChangedRecords.com for more information. Welcome back to Long Night, everyone. Thanks for being uh, here tonight in the studio audience, and for those of you watching at home, it's nice to to have you with us as well. James, why do you have two microphones? I Uh, I, I got handed two. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Thanks for looking up for you. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to mention that our next episode is taping here at the Great Hall on Friday, February 19th, and our scheduled guests thus far are This Exists creator Sam Sutherland. Sam's coming? Yeah, Sam's very, He's famous, that's very exciting. Yeah, Sam's coming. And stand-up comedian Carol Zakouli will be here. Oh, whoa, Lin- Linda, the applause lady. Yeah, Carol's gonna be here. And more spe- spe- special guests, pardon me, to be announced. Our next guests are respective members of such wonderful bands as Sloan, the Inbreds, and the Super Friends. They've come together as a mighty trio called Tons, and they're playing tonight at midnight in the main hall. Upstairs, please make some noise for Chris Murphy, Mike O'Neill, and Matt Murphy of Tons. Hey, look, it's Tons. They sat down. All right. Nice to see you. You guys, your microphones working okay there?
7: Check.
8: <laughs> so there was Tom Petty for Tom Power, yeah. And like Robert Palmer for
3: us. No, that was Queen and uh, oh. David Bowie, I think. It oh, that—that's right. Under oh. pressure, yeah. What's who sings "Some Like It Hot"? Uh, that is Robert Palmer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
8: Power Station.
3: Oh, it's Power super Station. Groups. Uh, super groups. You guys, you guys are you a super groups. You said group. it.
2: How are you doing, James? I'm good, my mic.
8: Oh,
3: my mic might be
2: working. I'm
8: well, Yeah, right.
3: chime in. Talk to the host. I know uh, James. Yeah, you know James from way back.
8: Yeah, his wife, we go way back with his wife too. She's Halifax.
3: Right, Alison Elthid.
8: Yeah, she invented like, alternative music in Halifax. Explain. It's
3: true. She's laughing in the audience, I think.
8: <laughs> Chris, can you explain that? James's wife, Alison Um, she was at Battle of the Bands, at the at Halifax the Forum in 1980-nothing, 1980 like, 1983, playing a, a synthesizer, bookended by the biggest hair, like, pussy metal, like, tyrant, like, like shitty. Yeah. Uh, and then, then their new wave, and they got bottled off the stage. Like, it was just, like, all like metalheads. Really? And they were there, it was stagetons, and it was all, like hair swooped down, and it was like you know, a, a keyboard, synth that didn't work, hmm. but they got bottled off the stage, and she was on the Out of the Fog compilation in 1986, she was on, and, and she was in different bands over time, and, and every time she was in a new band on a new compilation that was supposed to be defining the city, and she was there the whole time. You're, you're saying
3: she would be a good booking. Yeah, get her for the show. She should have been on the show maybe. I saw she's here. She's in the audience. She's in the front row. I saw her. Alison out hit everyone. She, but she invented. Stand it. up, stand up. Stand up. She invented this. Nice. Now, Matt, you and Chris uh, grew up together in Halifax. Were you at this show that he's talking about? No, I, but I saw uh, Stagitan's at, um, at
1: the Dalhousie... Uh, at TUNS. At TUNS. <laughs> That's where the gigs were, at TUNS. They were now, at TUNS. Now, people
3: don't know, what is TUNS? What does that Technical mean? Technical
1: University mean? of Nova Scotia. Oh. Um, that used to be... It became Daltech. Daltech, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Daltech. It doesn't exist anymore. But growing up, it was always called TUNS. the tons, lawn jam was, was at TUNS and you'd
8: go to see bliss with architecture come to town. and engineering and that so kind of stuff So did you guys go to Tuns? Is that why you named the band after Tuns? No, it was like it was like 100th on a list of like what are we going to do here?
3: Okay. Okay. Now, now i I understand. Now you two, Matt and Chris, you met uh, if, oh, Do you know this? What? Do you know this? Sorry. We met where? At uh, Victoria General Hospital? Yes. yes. In 1986. <laughs> Second yes. floor. You two were doctors. Is that what That's it was? That's right. Yes, no. right. What no, were we, were, we were porters, like right. messenger
8: porters. So it's like, someone go down and get someone's being admitted. Bring them up to the third floor or whatever. Or someone needs to give blood. Bring them down to, to the right. blood. Or, some, or take blood or, to the labs or whatever it is. Or the worst, the worst call would be ten nineteen. 1019, which was... Uh, take somebody to the morgue. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah you're like You're
3: like a little kid. You got to do that? We're that little. We were like 18.
8: Oh. Yeah, 18. And um, so it, when we first started there, you'd get to the room and the person's just <laughs> like dead in their bed and then you'd have to sort of like wrap them up in a sheet and stuff. And then later, I was there. Matt was only there for a year and then he went to school and made something of himself. But I was there for five years and during the time, there was different changes in protocol and then you'd have to they would be wrapped in plastic by the time I got there. Right.
1: But, uh, I yeah, did well, not but
3: expect this conversation to take this turn. I I'm have to wrapping say it. it up. Well, do th- how the, much time the, do we have? The thing, you were literally when you, wrapping it up, Chris. You when, you're you it up. Yeah. when
1: you're a rookie there, they would also uh, haze you. Yes. Uh, so they, they would, would you send fake, you fake on calls. fake things like uh, go to admitting and get Kenny Gomco. Uh, or... Yeah, a gomko was a thing say,
8: like just full of bile and stuff. Jesus. So you'd go out
1: there and you go, Kenny gomko, you know, and, and no one would respond. Or they'd send you up to the 12th floor
8: to get a 24-hour semen specimen. And it's like, is that real? And they're like, get up there. You, they need that right now. And you go up and you'd know it was fake. And like, do you have a
3: 24-hour semen collection? And they'd be like, get the hell out of here. Now, uh, did you end up hazing other people that worked at the hospital with these pranks? Yes,
8: but, li- like, I was... I went into there a nice kid.
3: I find that hard to believe. And I came out of there like a hardened, awful, like- The, the person, guy we know now. person <laughs> I've yeah. come to <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to insult you, Chris. Mike, uh, uh, have you had any weird jobs involving uh, wrapping up dead people, or? I can't
7: think of uh, a job. I, I heard of a job that's really weird.
3: You, you heard of someone else having a job? Yeah. Can well, I tell you about that? W- sure, please. Uh,
7: it, the job was a uh, person who tested expiration dates, so right.
3: for real, I'm not kidding. You mean they would come to your house, no. and you would say, hey, the milk uh, says it expired last week. Can you try it out? Is that what it, well, Lucky Charms, is that how it? You wouldn't ask them to your house. No, but okay. They would
7: go to something that was like a kind of a camp, and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they would, they'd, get, uh, they'd have yogurt, and it would have all these expiration dates, and they would open the yogurt and eat it, and then I guess they'd have to... S- I'm not kidding. This exists. No, I'm sorry. There was another one. Yeah, it's not funny. And there was okay. another one There was another one where uh, somebody had to put... Uh, I am getting a laugh, Chris. Um, s- somebody would put deodorant on, and then somebody else that had the job would have to smell the de- deodorant and see if, if it worked well.
3: This is a legit job yes. as far as you're concerned. Okay. No, th- I heard this. Well, you heard it, so it must be true. Yes. Okay. Now, these two, we've established these two have known each other a long, long time. How do you know Chris and Matt? Um,
7: well, my band, uh, the Inbreds...
3: <laughs> I, I have bad news for you. The Inbreds have expired. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Yes. Well, what happened
7: was, uh, Dave graduated. Dave was a drummer, and uh, he graduated, <laughs> he graduated from Queens. And then we had the freedom of going, and because there was only two of us, to go anywhere in Canada and kind of like continue as a band because we were professional at the time. And we'd had the opportunity of touring with these guys because super friends, are you checking your phone?
3: No, no, is I it, just... Are you bored? No. No, okay, good. No, it's um, my clock. I was, okay. uh, That's cool. There's a, there's, a, there's a gradation of rudeness involving phones. Like, we all... Okay. You can be rude with your phone. I am doing a talk show right now, and I needed to time it, so I just looked at the time. Okay, great. Sorry, okay, sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. I just... I know, I do, sorry. You, do you wear a wristwatch?
7: No, this is the...
3: No, because I get made fun of by James <laughs> for wearing a wristwatch in this day of smartphones. Do you guys wear... You don't? No? I don't. Well, like, don't boo it. It's a wristwatch. Perfectly acceptable. Sorry. Sorry, Mike. All
7: I was going to say was, Chris was playing drums for uh, Super Friends, and that's when we we met, uh, that's when I kind of met everybody. Yeah. And uh, and then we were like, Dave and I said, why don't we move to Halifax? And then very shortly after, these guys moved to Toronto. They left. Yeah. So I'm still in Halifax. Hey, you're still there. Yeah.
3: Now, guys, why, why did you... Wh- Okay, they're happy for you for being in Toronto. It's good. Why did you guys leave Halifax? I don't even uh, know why you would have done that. It seemed like a lovely place. Because Mike came. <laughs> um, because
8: for girls, we dated everybody out there. Came to date more girls. Right.
3: That's, kind uh, of. That's reasonable. Okay, and then, so this is a history that stretches back like, 90, what is it, 96, 97 kind of thing? And so we're talking a little while ago. 95. 95? Yeah. What uh, brought this configuration together now?
8: In this very hollowed venue, uh, Matt and I and Charles Austin backed up uh, Mike O'Neill um, two years ago.
3: North by Northeast or something? Yeah, yeah. and
8: uh, Mike, we put a band together for Mike and it was super fun. And uh, I don't know, we've just
1: been... Um, Flirting with the idea. Chris has been talking about doing a CSNY style band for a while. We're still looking for the <laughs>
8: Y character.
3: Oh, yeah. Allison Outhit <laughs> has just cleared her throat. Just uh, you need an O. That'll work, right? Yeah,
8: that's why not. <laughs> no. Uh,
3: so it was just the, that was a great show, by the way. We, uh, we've been in four-piece bands,
8: and he's been in two-piece bands, so this is the, this is the compromise. Right.
3: Yeah. And, and how does the, uh, if you don't mind me asking, with Mike here, uh, in Halifax, how does the songwriting work in tons, exactly? Like are you trading things on the in email or something? Matt? Uh, it's just very
1: condensed uh, work and a very efficient. It's kind of boring, but... Yeah. We just like have no time and we we just literally uh make noises at each other and then create songs out of them really quickly and that's how we work. Nice. And we wrote really quickly.
8: I've never done that. Have you done anything like that before? Yeah. I've never done anything like that before. I basically like write in isolation and bring it in and say, "Here it is, boys." But um this is like I just like turn on my phone and they, I'm like I'm gonna play Achilles Last Stand. I don't know what you guys are gonna do, <laughs> and then it's like and we record something and and, and Chris li- those guys are making it up on the spot and then we sort of and then we there's a voting process and then and th- how much there was also a home oh anyways yeah that's really and then boring. we hammer them <laughs> out into songs later okay yeah.
3: so it's cool and then this there is some
1: work that goes into it
3: yeah yeah no the and, and uh, when is the record actually coming out because you've completed an album.
1: September, probably. September?
3: Yeah. That's great. All right, that's exciting. Now, I wanted to ask you a question, because I think of you as very talented musicians, but you're also really knowledgeable music historian fan-type guys. We've lost two music icons to cancer recently, Mm -hmm. Lemmy of Motorhead and David Bowie of Tin Machine. You guys (laughs) are all really knowledgeable musicians, as I said. I'm curious, which, if any, of the losses hit you the hardest, Chris? Uh, was it Lemmy? Was it Bowie?
8: Certainly not Lemmy. Like I don't know anything about that guy. I'm all for him, but I, they, he never that music never really spoke to me. But I saw Motorhead open for Alice Cooper. Oh, in 1980, 1980- is Alice Cooper here? Seven. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. I figured we all went to the same shows. Oh, I see. Only right. Only like 10 shows a year. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't care about Motorhead. But you know, I feel bad that anybody died. No, of
3: course. I didn't mean to pit the two together, but I just am curious as music. Fans, and I think
8: I care about him the most of the three of us.
1: Lemmy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd probably, you know, Bowie has more. Uh, I spent more time with Bowie. Yeah. Uh, when I think of Motorhead, I think of um, high school and the metalheads, and I was really into punk rock, like British punk rock specifically, and. They were really into, you know, maiden and all this sort of stuff. But Motorhead they thought they tried to reach ah. you know, all of branch with my gang was to like what about Motorhead? Like you guys it's pretty close to punk. Like we're it's sort of the same yeah, thing. Yeah. This is something we can all get into. And they would they would play a song for me and I it came close to getting into it, but that was my crossroads. I, I turned away and never really never
7: really went okay, back.
1: Okay. Yeah.
3: And my
7: respect. I, I think I uh, probably Bowie too. Yeah. But I just enjoyed it.
3: Are you a big Bowie fan? I know like we've had conversations about what a Beatles fan you were growing up and how much they They meant to you, but were you a Bowie guy?
7: i really liked some of it, but I'm not that knowledgeable Um, and I think that uh, Who is I our friend Charles Austin was saying I'm gonna repeat what he said because it's so smart, but he was talking about how um, He was saying that like the notion of Things repeating, and so you hear music, and you can hear maybe the music that was originally, like the original version of that music. You can hear elements of it in music that's made today. Right. But he was saying that the original people are dying. It's getting to be that time, and so he was saying that Bowie was an original. And I certainly think that's true. Yeah. And he was really smart and great in interviews. Yeah. Yeah. He said, like he said, really great things on his feet. So I admire that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it was really exciting to, kind of a downer note to end on, I'm sorry, but but it was really exciting. You know, you three, you know this. You mean the world to me. You know this, right? You know this, Chris? (laughs) Tom was talking about how when he was a little kid, he approached Chris, and Chris was really friendly. And I, you know, as a kid, you see, Sloan was one of the first bands I ever got to see, and this guy, these guys, to be honest, all of them, Friendliest people I ever met, really open to young idiots like me, asking them to, how to play their songs, and thank you. I want to thank you for being nice and smart and talented and generous. I really mean it.
1: It's a nice note to leave thank it you, on. Thank, you, thank you. Hear,
3: you. You are like heroes to me, thank so you. I thank you. You can see Tons at a city near you, and they're playing right here at Long Winter in the main room upstairs at midnight, and you can keep an eye on tonsmusic.com for more dates and news about the band. We're gonna take a break and then the lovely and talented Michelle McAdory will perform a song for us right here. One more time for Tons!
8: Thank you, Bishop. Ice, ice, baby.
3: This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening The Martian, Brooklyn, Spotlight, The Matrix, and more. And at the E-Bar on Friday, January 22nd, an all-star assortment of Guelph musicians pay tribute to Crash Vegas and their album, Red Dirt. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. For more information about the Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. Back. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Our next guest is a wonderful singer and songwriter who is a founding member of the band Crash Vegas. Her new solo album is a lovely one called Into Her Future. And I hope you will all give your undivided attention to her now. She's here to perform a song from the record. Please welcome Michelle Macadory. <laughs>
9: found a window that looked right out into her future saw it clear as crystal when the light makes rainbows off its tips She did it her hand and steal water from an open well, making a dash for hills. Those hills were actually mountains, kept moving over the slippery fields of tears and rain. Sewed herself a silver thread. This life blows by, this life blows by like a fast wind. A boy, little pop shows him all of the world she come to know, needs a life with tenderness, tenderness to give someone who will. This life blows by, this life blows by like a fast wind, this life blows by, this life blows by like a fast wind. James McKenty.
3: Wow. Wow. Michelle McAdore, everyone. Just lovely. Thank you. So sweet. Thanks, James. Once again, Michelle's new album is Into Her Future, and she and her band are playing upstairs in the main hall at 11 p.m., and you can learn more about her at michellemcadore.com. That's the show! We did it! You can follow Long Winter TO on Twitter and me at Vishkana. We will see you again on February 19th. I want to thank all of you for coming out, all of our guests, and that's uh, it. Good night, everybody! Next time on Creative Control, an interview with John McIntyre and Doug McCombs of the band Tortoise.